Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lost Geeks podcast. I'm your host, the Doc. And I'm JT. Today, we're going to go on a bit of a safari through the fantasy realms, where we will be encountering a myriad of bestial pets, some exotic familiars, and yes, even summoned entities that lay in wait beyond the mortal planes of existence. Oh, so that please, sounds so scary. Well, that's why we're going to tell you this. Keep your arms, legs, and, uh, well, all your limbs within the vehicle at all times as we traverse the lands of pets, familiars, and summons. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and that'll take us into the topic for this session, talking about the different pets and familiars and summons that a player may come across in tabletop and video games. And I imagine most campaigns, there's a pet of some sort adopted at some point, because I just see too many posts and videos about the party adopting goblins. And I had a kind of a funny post on the Facebook page a while back about the DM gets kind of mad that the group adopts a goblin, but then a couple sessions later, it's like their favorite character. (laughs) And that definitely, I've seen that a lot as well, where the party will adopt something (laughs) along the way. I want to just tell the stories now, but we will have to save them. (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to say, let's go ahead and first start off by talking about the differences, because there are pretty distinct differences between all three of these. Especially depending on the world you're in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just for the sake of time, we're going to be coming at this from the perspective of your standard fantasy tabletop. Obviously, when we get into like familiars and summons, there are so many different backgrounds and lores that go into what they are and how they became that way and what they were used for. But I think in the spirit of this podcast and our subject matter, I think coming at it from, you know, standard tabletop fantasy is probably a good start. Yeah, I, I agree. So I guess the let's start with the pets. I think that's the, I don't know if it's the easiest one, but they typically don't necessarily have a large effect on the gameplay, whether that's how I kind of always see them in the tabletop or in even really a video game setting they're just they're they're just that they're a pet they don't really serve necessarily a huge purpose beyond them just being there and the comfort or whatever you gain from them so well and it's pretty self-explanatory it's a pet pretty straightforward although there is a hunter class and that can use them more combatively mm-hmm And this is pretty much your typical, this relationship has been built out of time and hard work and just (laughs) endless hours training with this animal, developing a relationship. And out of all of them, it's probably the most wholesome and probably the hardest to lose during a campaign if if you think about if if you're someone who's ever had a pet and lost a pet it's pretty devastating in most cases i think i I know there's a lot of people that would agree it's just as hard as losing a human family member or friend losing a close pet i i'd say it's absolutely just as difficult at least that's my that's my feelings towards it so yeah that's mine as well and it's been my experience and so yeah one more thing i think in movies they actually pets dying seems to affect people more profoundly than a character dying and i think that's why in some movies they actually have that to get that effect yeah john wick (laughs) john wick and uh what's the the will smith one with the zombies um no i'm gonna blank on that (laughs) i know i bring I bring as it soon up as you then. said it, yeah. <laughs> but no, I know what you're talking about. That that was like his support for his mental state and losing am, that was I kind of legend. a downfall. That's what it is. I am legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you do you develop it, and it adds a lot of fun moments for a player to role play that out 
because you really have to look at it. You have to approach it from the perspective of I've put a good chunk of my life into this pet. We've developed a relationship. I know their personality. I know when they're going to get nervous. I know when to not take them into certain situations. And it can be very difficult at times, if especially if you're role-playing that relationship well. You can mm-hmm. have a lot of fun moments. I wonder how that would play out, because we haven't had that happen in ours yet, losing a, a pet in campaign. <laughs> that would be kind of an interesting... Yeah, um, I've got some... Yeah, some interesting takes on in my campaign, some of the group members and the pets that they've collected. I I just I wonder if it's because just the nature of the campaign, there hasn't been as big of a relationship. But the the one player in particular isn't a hunter. They're not a class that really supports having the pet. But being a nice DM, I was fine allowing there to be some sort of teamwork without obviously you're not going to get all the benefits of hmm. well of that was that, a, but <laughs> we can't get to that story yet we have to save it <laughs> you don't get to tell stories if i don't actually i want to tell that one too but <laughs> well then i guess i'll move on to the next one familiar so we aren't tempted with stories although this we could probably tell a few stories with this one but uh familiar is generally seen as a spirit that takes on the form of a type of animal, this animal usually being on the smaller side, toads, frogs, mice, rats, birds, mm-hmm. cats, dogs, ferrets, weasels, reptiles, bats, etc., etc. And an individual who can magically connect themselves to a spirit realm can bind themselves with one of these spirits who usually takes on the desired form for the individual. I always think of like witches. I always think of witches, wizards, having Mm -hmm. familiars. That's that's what I typically think of when I think of familiar. Yeah. And in in addition to not only bonding with them and summoning them, uh, they can usually alter their familiar, not just in the different animals they appear in, but their physical features as well. And familiars are typically considered slightly more intelligent than their animal counterparts and usually help the individual with their magical practice. Mm-hmm. The animal form, it, they can use uh, it as well, allowing them to meld with the spirit and control the animal's physical form to discreetly gain access to restricted areas or obtain desired items that would be otherwise difficult to obtain not too much not not too much unlike the movie rat tattooey <laughs> he's like the rat he has stolen my documents <laughs> <laughs> i haven't watched that in a while i'm excited to ride the ratatouille right when i go to next time i'm in disney though <laughs> and... nice. you'll have to let me know how that is but i mean you see a rat stealing documents and you're not immediately be like, ah, oh, someone's controlling that rat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, obviously, you say if it's a familiar, it could be a familiar or a pet. A ratatouille kind of is a, I don't know. Is he? Would, what would you? I guess he he would have to be considered a pet, but he's a little more intelligent than that. And the humans, his familiar, I would say, because he's controlling the human to cook, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I could see uh, uh, he definitely had a human familiar <laughs> i liked how all the other rats and mice or that or the mice in that movie or whatever they were just rats i guess but obviously the name but the they just like to eat garbage and he's like insisted that the good food's better it just i, I just like the whole premise of that <laughs> his brother just <laughs> horks down everything he cooks he's like no no you can't just swallow it <laughs> you gotta yeah you gotta savor it uh, and then like the 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 head chefs like recipes have been like put into like little cardboard mm-hmm. packaging i wonder how often that does happen because you do see like chef's names on things at the grocery store and stuff i'm wondering like, i wonder what the original form of this tasted like that would be an interesting experiment to have it side by side it's like oh <laughs> this didn't translate very well from the original french recipe frozen burritos <laughs> so many burritos <laughs> 
the, the nasty like frozen ones that you throw in the microwave and this nuke them. <laughs> I used to eat those all the time when I was in college. They're just they probably have zero nutritional value other than the <laughs> well probably truly zero. <laughs> I remember I would do a lot to try to spruce mine up. So uh, I would have a toaster oven if I wanted to get really fancy. I'd put it in the toaster oven and then I'd have like chili and cheese and fresh tomato and lettuce and sour cream and I'd have the whole works on top of it. It helped. (laughs) My wife, we make enchiladas sometimes and my wife has like had a different version of that where instead of like actually cooking the meat yourself, she would just use those and sprinkle like the enchilada sauce and cheese on top of them. It was still okay, but you you knew what you were eating. <laughs> it was kind of a nice variation once in a while just to do something different. And it was a little bit easier than making the enchiladas and having to like roll the tortillas up yourself with like the meat and sauce in them. But like I said, yeah, there was no doubt of what you were eating when you took a bite to it, just because that, that bean paste is very, <laughs> very telling. Well, when you want convenience, you can't get picky about what you put in the tank. <laughs> Uh, but I guess to get back on track, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the magical individual can also dismiss their familiar back to the spirit realm they came from as needed. And if the film familiar should perish on the mortal plane of existence, it can be summoned again from that spirit realm. So there's not as big of a like oh i've lost my pet but i there have definitely been relationships built up with a familiar i've seen it role played by other players where they are able to create a close relationship so i'd say having a real life pet that you can't just summon back to you if it dies is probably up there on on the scale and then familiar and then uh, the last one summons. Was there anything before we move on to summons that you wanted to say about familiars? Is the cat in Hocus Pocus a familiar or a pet? Bing, Bing's right. Yeah, that was more of a curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I was just like trying to was like. Oh, I wonder because the witches kind of do. Well, they, He's obviously not their familiar. It was yeah, it was a curse. I guess I don't know. Well, <laughs> they they turned him into a cat and then. Like he started getting away and then they wanted to catch capture him to kill him again. And it was like, well, why'd you go through the process of turning him into a cat if you just wanted to kill him? Yeah. <laughs> like and you turned him into a cat that would live forever. I don't know if they were just going to torture him or throw him in a box. <laughs> yeah. Or what was it? You were saying a, a, a big wooden barrel and beat it with a stick <laughs> from the oh, Halloween cat, Yeah. Cat bashing. <laughs> For those of you that didn't hear the Halloween episode, in one country they put like cats in a barrel and hit the barrel and it's supposed to represent like driving the evil away or something. Thankfully, I don't think yeah. it's done anymore. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, mind you, this was done a long, long time ago. So <laughs> the, the, pe- the people that live in those countries that had those traditions, <laughs> not, not calling you out or anything, we know that that has no longer been done and hasn't been done for quite some time. So... <laughs> So yeah, so summons though, I always think of them as being more, I guess they don't have to be evil, but when you think of a warlock doing it, they're summoning these things, not always necessarily, the creature is not always willingly being summoned. I know in a lot of kind of popular fantasy, if you know these demons' name, it kind of gives you power over them and that's how you're able to summon them. I'm sure there are exceptions to that where you can summon something that's more friendly to you, but I always kind of think of them as being more, <laughs> a little more sinister in nature. Yeah, and luckily a game like D&D, they have a lot of different levels. Obviously, the more powerful you get, the more risky it's going to be. And with summons, it's probably the least connection you have with what's being summoned, because usually what you're summoning doesn't want to be there. <laughs> usually. One exception uh, to that I wanted to bring up was Dritz's yeah. pet Guinevere, because I guess you would consider that a summon because it's an item he summons it with from a different plane, but they obviously have more of a friendship bond. Yeah, and I could definitely see something like that happening, but just to back up for a minute, summons is, for those of you that may not be familiar, is the ability of magically inclined individuals to summon beings from planes of existence beyond the mortal realm 
This can be risky as if they lose control of the summon, that creature may act out against the one who summoned it. However, there are summon, summons uh, are typically larger and more dangerous, which offer the individual and party a more powerful boon, but one that can just as easily turn against them. So you have to be, you have to kind of weigh like, oh, do I really want to be doing this? <laughs> and then there are some that are a much easier gamble, those that are not as powerful, such as lower elementals. Uh, some fill a similar role to familiars, such as summoning just a multitude of different animals to aid you in different situations. Uh, when you summon a creature, the more powerful, as we discussed, the more powerful it is, the higher the risk it will be if the caster loses control over it especially powerful greater demons, devils, celestials, and elementals. Oh my. Uh, usually you only want to jump to that level if you're in a dire situation with very few to no way of escaping your impending doom. Doom, doom, doom. And I think there's a lot of instances in books where there have been <laughs> people who thought they could control something and they summoned something that was a little... <laughs> larger than what they could control well and for the person summoning it in dnd you have to make concentration checks so if you take damage or someone attempts to disrupt your summons basically you have to succeed on a role and if you fail that role guess what that demon who was following your orders is now free to do as it pleases <laughs> And I would assume it's at the DM's discretion then <laughs> what yep. it does. So, yeah, I wonder if I could, <laughs> I better, I'll try to see if I can tempt Darius into doing something like that and see what happens. <laughs> and there are spells, depending on your party chemistry of plane, or plane shifting spells that can shift the creature back to its original plane for those emergencies but definitely wanna I, I watched one instance where someone had summoned a demon and lost control and they just ran away they basically got <laughs> Let it, it roam <laughs> well they were going in a fight against a dragon and then summoned it oh i see and then left the, yeah i see he, yeah he lost control but they ran away and left the demon to fight the dragon and i thought it was i i actually think that might have been a critical role episode but it was it was pretty hilarious just all right we're gonna see who wins this and then we'll come back and typically if the summons lose they're just they go back to their plane of existence and depending on the circumstances mm -hmm. of how they were brought over they could in theory be brought back again i think i think some of the yeah. higher up ones once they're defeated there's like a time period before they can come be summoned back and stuff like that though yeah usually summons like this same thing with familiars they can only die if they're killed on their plane of existence that that's another thing there there's also deals it's there's a lot that goes into these other realms especially when you start looking into the kind of realms of hell uh, especially in D&D, there's a lot of po politics and it, it, they do protect their names because it does give power. Or if they're making deals, then someone else knows all the deals they've made. So they may have many monikers they go by. I guess that gives kind of the basics of them. And I think we wanted to discuss just some, just as some of you that are familiar with some different mm -hmm. games, they treat them kind of similar to what we've experienced, but one of the games we wanted to bring up and we've mentioned it before is divinity two. And I believe the way they did that there, they were more considered summons and you could, you had to go into specific schools of magic and then you could summon different things depending on the school. Like I think I had, I was doing the warlock. I don't remember what the school of magic was, but I could summon like a skeleton spider. <laughs> Someone was able to just summon a bird. I don't remember if that was an item. That might have been an item, but I know there was a various other summons you could do, but they were yeah. either item related or like a specific class of magic related. Yeah, you could just find some animals randomly as you explored. And then if you befriended them, you would get them as pets. So there was the black cat. There was <laughs> our dwarf got the like condor. 
And then oh, I didn't I was realize pl- he had just befriended that actually, because I, I guess he was he did have the thing yeah, to talk was, to animals. So mm-hmm. it was in the graveyard because he went exploring, and it was on top of one of the towers. And he was like, "Oh, I got a bird." Usually, his exploring got us into trouble more than it gained us things. But it's good to know there was some good things that came out of it. Yeah, we ended up fighting a lot of animals that he talked to. <laughs> I remember the then, night that you guys, he got all of his clothing stolen <laughs> yep. by somebody. All of his armor was taken. I yeah, think it was a, to, yeah. yeah, he had to have a night of, you know, enjoyment. Oh, yeah, fulfillment. <laughs> they stole all of his armor. I think you guys Everything. spent like an hour seeing if there was some place you could get it back at. And you just could not find it. I remember that night I actually fell asleep while you guys were doing that because I was like I was kind of tired I thought we were getting ready to be done playing and all of a sudden like that happened and you guys were like looking for the armor and I'm just like oh man and I, I think I just fell asleep in my chair while you guys were looking for his armor I remember waking up and you're still looking for it it's like wait what's going on here I think yeah, we ended well, up having to go back to another save yeah yeah we had to reload because he had lost everything and like we had stated in I think the previous one that game was not very kind and handing out armor and weapons and like we said me and this player were competing for the same gear so him losing everything was was really bad and Uh, and i I can't say we never had to because remember i got turned into a cow (laughs) one time i just the game was kind of unforgiving with stuff which made it fun but i remember i had some random potion and if you ate certain foods and drank certain potions it would tell you what they did so i was just like oh i want to find out what these do in case we get another one all of a sudden i'm a cow and i think we discovered it's like i was basically stuck as that cow there might have been i don't know we never did figure we had to reload that save too i guess i was your i would have been your pet for the rest of the time and (laughs) yeah you were i i did go back and read that you were permanently a cow unless someone in the group had new alchemy because there was a recipe in the witch's basement for reversing it but you couldn't make it unless you had alchemy and we didn't have that (laughs) i was playing the red prince and he was playing the dwarf so yeah you would have been stuck as that for the entire game and once you clear a section in that game it's gone so there's no like oh i'll just roll another character and we'll go and just fight things and get leveled up again i guess what i would have had to do we would have just and i think i was controlling two characters so i would have just had to play the other one but it would have made the game a lot harder like without him i think because the other character i was like dual controlling was just a healer yeah we would have had to hire a mercenary or something so i remember as uh the red prince really quick uh with him you get a dragon dragonling pet (laughs) later on and luckily it depends on the decisions that are made and luckily uh both of you were (laughs) willing to let me (laughs) bring the dragon bring the second coming of the dragon so yes i i was able to have the little dragonling pet summon that wasn't your son from your tryst was it <laughs> the, um i think it was oh that is how it came about yeah everyone got to have a fun time in that game except for me because remember i there was like a character in the very first act that i was like wooing and then we were supposed to meet up way down the road and where you find her you just find her dead body like somewhere and it's like what i've been waiting for this the entire game and she's dead i know you get you get so heavily teased with that in the beginning (laughs) spoiler alert for those of you who might be playing but yeah she it's not a good outcome I, and i don't know maybe there's a way if you do things in a certain order you can get to her before that happens not sure so another game i know we talk about it a lot but it just it, it was just such a staple game for so long was world of warcraft and they just also they have the different varieties in there i remember they had more of the cosmetic pets originally and you can get all kinds yeah vanity pets all kinds of different things anything you could think of and then they started selling pets with real money which i never was a huge fan of them double and triple dipping on the in-app purchases but that let's not get into that so you had your pets and then they added a pet battle system which became basically a whole separate thing where you could level up the pets and even the pets you'd had since the beginning of the game were able to be battled in that system any pet you had was 
it was, it was kind of cool, but I don't think it hurt the game that they added that, but I don't necessarily know that it added. It was a lot of effort probably put into that. But I don't know if it was really worth it or not. It was Pokemon. It, it was Pokemon. It was Pokemon. Uh, which I did want to bring up Pokemon <laughs> briefly too, which that game, I don't know, are those, I guess they're pets that you have fight each other. So you're, yeah, I know that gets made fun of a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of frowned upon in society, isn't it? But <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now, there's a lot Especially... of stuff in Pokemon. That's really creepy that they gets made fun of. Like the fact that they capture all these pets and then just put them on this farm and never, you know, like you think of Ash, he has all these like Pokemon that he never uses that are just in a random farm somewhere. It's just like, what sense does this make? Well, <laughs> and then I know like as they got into the later episodes, they had they couldn't bring Pokemon from different regions. So they basically it was a way for them story-wise to restart it. <laughs> but well, and I think the movies and the, the show and the games, that was kind of the point was <laughs> that. But then it's always weird. It's like, what happened to a squirtle and bulbasaur? <laughs> abandoned pretty much yeah. <laughs> the side of the road somewhere with signs <laughs> but yeah wow did that and the pokemon obviously that's that game is about pets i mean they do battle and stuff but yeah obviously that's that entire game is based around but wow has the summons as well i think mm-hmm. the warlocks and the warlocks and the hunters uh, hunters i guess are more pets too but it's the warlocks have the summons yeah and then mages you have the water oh, the elemental. water elemental that's right and then shamans, do the shamans still get the fire elemental? It's been forever, but I know there was a there was a fire elemental for shamans, and I think recently they had the big rock elemental. I think that's right. I didn't play a shaman very much. That was like I I, I did have one. I think I did have one, but I yeah I did. I did, it was a uh, drain eye one, but I I just didn't play it a whole lot. Would the totem would totems be considered summons, or is it just? Mm, if you ha- yeah if you were going to consider any of them it would be a summon yeah well i'm just like trying to think about do they carry these do they like make these totems and carry them around and just slam them down when they need them and they get destroyed and they just they always have like a bag of totems or is it just like something they summon I guess in WoW, I always saw them as like summoning them, but I, I don't know if that's just because the way the magic used to look. It's not like they were throwing them down. It looked like they would just like put their hand. Well, I guess they did throw their hand out, but was that part of the summoning or were they was it supposed to mock them like throwing the totem down? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and with the style of the game, it's hard to tell when you have a more cartoon look and feel to the abilities. So yeah, as you can see, obviously they're they have their place in the gaming world and in the tabletop world. But kind of to get into some more specifics, I there is a place for the pets in the story. I think, and when you're doing a tabletop, and we have some examples of that. I there's two really good examples, I guess. Is in mine we had the ghost dog, and you guys encountered the ghost dog at the lighthouse, and he the haunted lighthouse, and he kind of let you guys just kind of gave you some hints at a couple times and. I, I did use him a little bit for the story. He was actually, uh, there was a family that had lived there that had all been killed by some pirates and that was their dog. And it was kind of a, a sad little story, at least to me it was. And there were some kids you guys ran into before you went in there and they were telling you their mom and dad were still in there. And after you guys got through, you realized these were all, they were actually already deceased and it was the ghosts of the children. But after going in, you were able to kind of put their spirits to rest. And I actually had an option for the ghost dog to go with one of the players who had kind of interacted with it quite a bit. There was a collar. If he had taken the collar, the dog would have followed him, but he chose to put it on the grave. And I don't know if he realized that he would have gotten to take it, but I I'm kind of glad he left the collar there. It, it it was a nice little moment, I think, where he just... I think it it was just as fine that he did that. But it was an option. I was going to let him have the dog as a pet, but that said, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And Mordecai being the... I don't know what we can... We were talking about, is he a familiar, a summon, <laughs> all the above? <laughs> yeah, really quick on the dog. Uh, it was... It, it, may he one day rest in peace. Rufus <laughs> was the one to leave that, but... Yeah. 
I, I just had a quick thought, ghost dog, to storm the, <laughs> the realms of the of divine and <laughs> save Rufus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Well, but, I had some other thoughts for the ghost dog since he left him. Actually, I had another thing where he was going to come into play. One of the side story I'm doing. So, but yeah, Mordecai was interesting because this was a character that was really it was one of those moments where you had a character kind of born in the moment just out of the raw gameplay and it spiraled into a full-fledged character who's gonna probably be fairly big moving forward in the stories we tell but yeah it started out with a simple uh, it was actually a joke kind of yeah (laughs) <laughs> you, your character Bordis was rummaging through some of Honeydews, and for those of you who might not know, Honeydew is this kind of. Prof- would you describe him as kind of a professor inventor? Yeah, a mad, mad a scientist. Mad prof- yeah, mad scientist extraordinaire, and he always tends to have a shop of very odd magical items. And I think Bordis was looking for a gift mm-hmm. for Nithis, and he found this. I think he asked Honeydew, and it was basically a magical tat like a magical stick on tattoo and what it had basically came to is i think i i basically asked nithis to turn around and i put this it was i think we had worded it where the directions it was like lick and stick on end or something like rear end or there was some yeah i don't remember there was some wording to it and bordis took it as like he basically like slightly pulled down nithis's pants and put it on his butt and it was like a magical in nature tattoo where Mordecai would be summoned just randomly, kind of. It actually created a link between between him and Nithis. Now the the tattoo look and design. Oh, yeah. How did that did you say what it was, or was that me? I, I'm trying to remember the conversation we had. We might have both kind of came up with I know I wanted it to be kind of a more like comical in nature and i think we were just discussing it and we both kind of came up with it yeah so it was a cat paw yeah that's right but it's rainbow colored right yeah it was a rainbow colored cat paw that had gotten (laughs) tattooed on nithis's rear end (laughs) (laughs) and then at first he was the only one that could see mordecai because it he would just he was we didn't all realize he was able to appear to all of us but he would only appear to nithis at the beginning i think (laughs) Yeah, and Mordecai didn't have a name when we first started this. It was just a black cat who would appear. And just as kind of how people normally see cats, you know, kind of full of themselves and expecting to be treated a certain way. (laughs) And to his credit, Nithis took it in stride and Nithis was the one who named gave him the name Mordecai. So this character was really born just out of this story moment where we had decided that we wanted Honeydew to come in for a little bit and present some certain story elements to the group. And Mordecai started out as this pet cat that would appear every now and then and kind of mock Nithis and give him a hard time. And Nithis would give him food and feed him and took everything in stride. And as the party went on, he started showing himself to the rest of the party members and then even started aiding the party when circumstances were looking fairly rough. Mm -hmm. And this happened several occasions as Mordecai started alluding that there was going to be some sort of payback coming for the help he had given. And he saved our skins several times. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we were able to recently, they were able to meet the real Mordecai in person and learn, they're going to learn a little more about him. So I can't say too much because I don't want to spoil too much before we meet back up and continue this campaign. But they were able to get a little glimpse of, kind of the wizard behind the curtain of who this character is 
and I've enjoyed having him around. He was fun. And I guess what kind of to get back to this is that the pets can have a place in the story. And sometimes that story is something you come up with. And other times, just like you said, a character that was kind of created in the spot becoming one of the bigger players in the game. <laughs> well, then everybody starts taking ownership and starts trying to find ways to interact with those pets <laughs> the chain smoking toad mm-hmm. <laughs> that i think we've mentioned a couple times i think <laughs> and i think and i think they can add a fun element to things as well the chain smoking toad being the example is we had kind of just picked him up randomly from a guy who was selling he was selling pot basically and right yeah that was who we bought him from right or, or was that where did we get the chain smoking toad? No, because we went to that. No, I think that was another one. Of oh, that was Honeydew's item. Honeydew. Yeah. Oh, and then we found the guy. That he, yeah, and he had to be supplied with. No, he originally smoked cigarettes, and then it, I think it just <laughs> randomly came about that we found a guy smoking pot, and that was like his new mania. Switched from tobacco to weed. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Well, he luckily. Are the person who kind of, I guess, to some he doesn't really own the chain smoking toad, but it's like his pet. He rations them, so I guess it keeps him from getting too carried away. But yeah, and that kind of added a fun element to role play because I actually do the voice of the chain smoking to- <laughs> the chain smoking toad. Um, I actually do the voice for it, so it kind of gives me a little way to add a little bit of fun into your campaign besides my main character. And we did kind of give him. I think he gives he has advantage on engineering checks or something like that if he's around because he actually has engineering knowledge. So it was just kind of more of a fun thing. So I think it did add a fun role play element. Plus we gave him the ability to have advantage on skill checks. So I think that's a good thing. And that thing, it was more fun. Yeah. And uh, I remember at the beginning of the campaign, I introduced to the group (laughs) and I found this really amusing especially after I heard some of the comments afterwards I had left in an opportunity for the group to get a couple of direwolf pups (laughs) Uh, the group had to go and hunt some direwolves that had started because of the events of what was happening in the world were getting pushed closer and closer to this town And so the group was tasked with going and calling their numbers. And upon getting there and being successful, they discovered two little pups, direwolf pups (laughs) in the back. And I honestly, when I put them in, there was a, there was a black direwolf male and a white direwolf female pup. And I honestly had no idea what the group was going to do. I had thrown them in. I was like, they might kill them. They might leave them. They might take them. (laughs) And I I, I didn't do it thinking anybody would fight for them or want them. But that actually, yeah, (laughs) that that got heated a little bit. It did. And yeah, and I guess this whole part of this is I think there's the good, the bad, and the ugly of pets. And this is. I was against, I did not want them. I remember I was one of the people who was very firmly, I think myself and, uh, you know, I'm blanking on, um, it was one of our characters who doesn't play anymore. He was playing the class you created. The I think uh, it, Yeah, I think it was everybody but two of you. All of you but two. Were one was it. indifferent. Yeah, one was indifferent. And yeah, I think Bardock, the, Bardock the was indifferent, I think. Right? Was he indifferent or was he? It was Nithis. Bardock, I, I think, was just leave them. <laughs> Actually, he might have wanted to torture him. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. I can't remember then. Zit. I wish I could remember her name. Xenia? No, it wasn't Xena. Oh, man. Zinra. Zinra, that's it. Zinra was against it, I think, as well. I remember her and I did not want to take him. And I was pretty firmly against it. And I think. I can state this is the reason I didn't really want to take them is I just, I didn't really, I knew it would just kind of bog things down is what I thought. And that's why I didn't want them. Cause I just, I saw them <laughs> having more of a prominent role than what I thought I, we wanted to deal with. But I remember our monk pan was just, she was very adamant. We take, we take them. And I remember I could just see it. was <laughs> No, wasn't going to be <laughs> taken for an answer. <laughs> 
Uh, I think afterwards you asked me, did you intentionally put those in knowing she was going to take them? I'm like, I had no idea. (laughs) Of course, in hindsight, you can be like, yeah, I should have known (laughs) she was going to want to take them. But well, then it ended up being kind of funny because I'm like, well, if we're going to have to bring these things along, I'm going to mess around with them. So I was actually messaging you in private every time there was downtime. I was actually spending time with them and giving them beer. And I was hoping down the road there would be a funny moment where I would actually have more of a bond with them than the two people who were actually taking them under their wing and training them and it was going to be kind of funny but sadly we never got to do that but they are one of they are they do still like me though i think both of them they're still around in the campaign and they do yeah (laughs) they got taken along on a ship to on an undersea adventure (laughs) yeah they made a big mess on the ship after that too but and unfortunately i think they really didn't overshadow the story too much so i haven't minded having them around but i just the problem is and this is to go into another example of this one of the characters in my campaign writer had a pet dog at the beginning and i had him give it up after the first in-person session and i just it was the same thing and maybe it would be better now but it just seemed like it added too long to the turns and people would forget about it and there was just a lot of i just had a little some issues with people using them in combat i just i have found when there have been pets added into the combat it does nothing to enhance the combat other than slow it down and you remember you gave me a keg golem frankenstein and it was kind of the same thing it just i would for even forget to use them a lot and it just took i thought it took away from my character and i was also afraid it was going to get broken and it had more benefits outside of combat than in combat Mm -hmm. and so that's why i just I'm not a big fan of the pets in combat, but maybe in an experienced group where they just did it quickly as part of their turn and it was just, and this does this, it would be fine. But I just, I kind of felt in our group being a newbie group at the time, I just was afraid with the two dire wolves, it would slow down combat because when we'd had other pets, that's what it seemed to do. Well, and I had also explained that you you weren't going to be able to use them in combat anytime soon. And so I had also put that out because I was like, I'm not going to be trying to manage, especially since no one in the group was playing a Beastmaster mm-hmm. subclass of a hunter or, or ranger. Sorry if we're talking D&D. And so you do, I, and I think that's fine. I think if someone really wants to commit to going down that route, then pick Ranger, pick pick that subclass for having a pet because it will give you boons and benefits that you aren't normally going to get just having a pet. And it can throw off balance when you're just tacking on a pet to a class that normally doesn't get that. Well, I don't think you would get the full advantage of them either, because I think we've discussed this before, but pets kind of have a, unless you were to like homebrew it, they don't like, they are what they are. They don't really level up. So the problem is, is you're getting into like the end of combat, they're going to get like one shotted. And then somebody who spent like a half the campaign building up this pet to have it die in like two hits is like, well, that stinks. And then it's just gone. Yeah. And that's another problem in something I'm, trying to think about for yeah our system which i'm not I, I i'm not too worried about because there i i have a way of this working out where when we do our monster manual the animal stats are going to be what they are and and that's kind of what's special about what we're doing is we're looking at well what can these animals realistically do what are their capabilities what would they be able to accomplish physically Mm -hmm. then okay so we've got that then what are they going to look like if someone takes the time to train them yeah okay so now someone's taken the time to train them and now have they put some sort of armor for protection on them or magic yeah some yeah something to help give especially if you're sending them into melee combat it's dumb to just be like go out there and i mean even if you're sending a bear you don't want your bear just getting nicked up and cut up 
when a lot of it could be avoided had they been wearing some sort of armor. Mm-hmm. And I and I know in 5e right now it doesn't really account for that unless you've like you said you've homebrewed something in for that. And Which would be I fine, think, but yeah. I think from uh that perspective you have to just unfortunately roll with what they have there yeah just pets and they do make things a lot more complex and that's why i think the idea of familiars obviously not everybody can have a familiar but you're looking at you know a pet that's going to be more used in different situations whether they're scouting or spying rather than oh i'm using this in combat and i think uh, there was a i think there was a version that i was watching someone play where they had to use their part of their action or bonus action part of their turn to give the pet an order and so they had to de- you had to decide well do i want to do something or do i want my pet to do something assuming the pets were fairly powerful i guess that wouldn't be a terrible thing but i don't know that i don't think i would like that either cuz i like are we playing the pet or are we playing <laughs> you know the person who's going to yeah. play the pet and unfortunately in D&D there is no system for leveling up your pet or anything i I think it was a critical role the very first season uh one of the character one of the players was playing a ranger and she had a pet bear named trinket and one of the players in particular picked on her a lot because the bear especially as they started getting further in the campaign did not have the survivability that the rest of the group had. And I remember Matt kind of being nice and giving the pet some boons here and there. But even with that, once you get to a certain point, the pet just felt underwhelming compared to where the players were at. And that's something that's really hard to balance. I don't, and I don't know that. If you make it too powerful, then it's like, why does you're almost giving one, person to characters if it's on equal level as the players yes so it's it's kind of it's a little tough to find that balance i think so i i think there is a good Mm -hmm. and the bad with these i think they're better used for say skills spying stuff like that i think i don't particularly like them in combat and i i know writer's been mad at me for taking his dog away and i (laughs) there is actually going to be something with that that he's just not aware of so this is a little spoiler for him there there is a there is a reason behind it and there is going to be a different take i have for that whole thing on him but i just i really don't like them in combat and pretty much just for the reasons we've stated that being said i i would like to see a way of adding them in where and and I think just naturally our system's going to make it a little more viable they're not going mm-hmm. to be they're not going to be a second character, but you're also, they're not going to be something that's just dying all the time. Yeah. But, and we, we haven't, yeah. we've been working on the system, but obviously we haven't finalized it, but we have some ideas of how we can make it work, but it's a, that one's more of a work in progress than some of the <laughs> other stuff we have. Definitely. So with that, I'd like to get into the favorite segment, the tabletop tales of toxicity and terror. <laughs> This will be a really interesting story. It'll sound uh, very familiar to you. So, so (laughs) I was already afraid of where this is going. (laughs) Well, we've uh, yeah, it's all right. We've already kind of discussed where it's going, but I just I thought it'd be fun to say. So, so I was uh, designing my character in a friend's campaign, and I decided I was going to make a very large turtle character (laughs) that rode another turtle, (laughs) and the dungeon master seemed okay with this and. We kind of started the campaign, but after a couple sessions, he (laughs) destroyed my turtle friend and banished him to another plane of existence. And I didn't get to see him again. This was very sad to me. (laughs) So I don't know. How would you address that? So I'm jokingly telling this story. Um, 
I this is my personal story, but I had actually my Terrapin character, which is a large turtle. When I had originally created him, I had asked you if could I make him where he rides around on this other turtle that's more of a I guess you would just call him like kind of a normal turtle, except he's just massive in size and carrying me around. And I believe when I first made him, that was all he was meant to really be was a mount. But I think I had come up with a little bit more of a story where they were actually brothers and the guy he had kind of been cursed into that form. And I remember I actually did kind of think that because I don't remember how many sessions in it was, but he was banished to the water plane. And I remember, I actually am just, I was curious. I don't know if we ever discussed it, but I was like, well, why'd you even let me make him if you were just going to take him away? <laughs> take him away? And I'm guessing it was for a lot of the reasons we've talked about. So that's why I kind of always had my question answered. But yeah, if you have a hot take on it <laughs> or a different take, you could let me know. But yeah, so, and I, I do remember talking about this. It was a mix of you fighting a really nasty person and me not reading a spell all the way. And as soon as I said that she cast the spell and then I read the entirety of the spell, realizing that once she banished a creature that was native to another plane, they went to that plane and could not return. And so I guess when you did it, you weren't necessarily thinking the... Because I think Bebo disappeared with that too, right? Mm-hmm. And but then you weren't really in the moment realizing that was going to like permanently get rid of them to some extent, or at well, least for it, the indefinite future. Well, and there are ways to go back and do it, but unfortunately, no one had the means at the moment to do this. And I did feel bad. I'm like, oh, I did not read this <laughs> all the way. I, like I read, like I caught it there at the end as I was saying it. And I was like, oh no, oops. <laughs> but I'm like, like he was causing a lot of problems and she did not like it. And I never, and I always, and I guess you did give me the moment later. And it was kind of a nice part of the story where I did, I got sent to the plane for a short amount of time and got to run into him. So he did get kind of, you did give me that ending, which I, do appreciate and we never did find out what happened with Bebo but unfortunately Bardock kind of left the group so we didn't really have that connection with Bebo anymore but I had kind of yeah maybe we did have that I don't remember that too I wasn't sure if it was just and I kind of now as a DM I kind of see it I don't necessarily think if I was DMing our campaign that I would have really particularly liked Grok and Bebo hanging around because they did have some they were, I mean, I guess you could have kept them out of combat in certain situations, but particularly Bebo, he gave, had some like healing abilities. So it was kind of like having a healer in the group, which I guess would be kind of irritating if someone's not playing a healer too. I mean, I could see that perspective of it too, where they were kind of just unnecessary, <laughs> but. Well, and if Bardock had continued playing there, there would have been a way to get him back. And you, you could have had Grok, you could have attempted to talk Grok into returning. And uh, I didn't want, I to, didn't want to, to those. Yeah. <laughs> just to fill into that story, there was a happy ending. The The curse was able to be lifted from Grok and he had a wife and children and was living out a pretty good life. <laughs> Which is why I didn't try to convince him to come back. <laughs> so there really was no purpose in it at that point. So, and it was okay. And like I said, after I DM'd myself, I kind of, like I said, I did the same thing to Ryder to some extent, except I just kind of made his pet disappear. I just told him he had left it with somebody else. <laughs> she had insisted that she took it. But um, that there is going to be kind of a come around for that as well, if it's any consolation, Ryder. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just brings up a good point, like looking at spells and, and what they do, and especially... And just to be fair, this is my first time ever DMing a campaign. So you're juggling so many different things. And this was a pretty hectic battle. I had mm-hmm. a lot going on. And yeah, I was just like, oh, this will be good. It'll get rid of them for a few rounds. And then I'll be able to <laughs> I'll be able to put the pressure on without him being there. Oh, the pressure was already on, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there were some bad tactical decisions in that fight, but in hindsight, it's easier to see that. But once the fight started, it was hard to correct them. But 
So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to kind of get a laugh out of that story that time, but I just wanted to see what your reaction would be if I yeah, definitely it. didn't didn't do it out of spider. Oh, I don't like your character. How dare you? <laughs> well, I think that's what in the moment I was like, well, you're the one who said I could do it. We could have just not even made him to begin with. I was like, <laughs> you, I think Ryan, I, I was like, he was kind of complaining too. So <laughs> it's really it's kind of funny. It's so long ago now, but yeah. And like I said, I have a different view on it now as I've kind of stated. So, but I guess it, to get into our system, just a t- tad bit, like I said, this is kind of a work in progress for us, but we kind of saw the pets and familiars. We kind of want them to be more like passive benefits. I kind of had this idea where the familiars would maybe be like, they would help with professions. And I I was seeing like a pet dragon helping a blacksmith, you know, stuff like that. And that's where the pets and familiars and even possibly summons, depending on how we do it, they would give more passive benefits like that or used for spying. I think that's just our experience. I, I think there is a place for them to be used in combat, but that's the part we're going to have to work out. Like you said, to find that balance where they're not another player, but they still are viable without just being able to get one-shotted. Yeah, having a little more survivability. And I think in the system we're building, for those of you who don't know, we're working on our own tabletop system and there's a whole world that goes with that. And I understand if we talk about some things you're like oh that sounds a bit like this system and I I have looked into other systems I've gotten feedback from friends who have said oh that sounds a bit like this system you should look into that but there's always something with those system that's just it doesn't convert well into the environment we're trying to create and in terms of this topic we're trying to create uh I would what would you say a very simple kind of straightforward experience when it comes to combat where you're really looking at the survivability where things are maybe slowed down a little bit and you're role-playing out these moments more than just yeah dice 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 a spell 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 and so positioning and watching everybody's health and their status and where what they're doing is gonna be uh, very key in being successful and we also wanted an experience where it made sense that a party could keep adventuring so you're not always taking critical wounds and so I think focusing without coming out and just saying everything about it developing a system where you can you are sustained for much longer and you can really role play out like oh, you got some bumps and bruises but nothing too serious so a long rest or short rest whatever we decide to do or have is going to make sense in the moment yeah and, and i yeah, yeah we could talk about <laughs> we could get into that and well, we do and I tend to get just, more into ours down the road mm-hmm. but <laughs> and, well and i think that makes if someone wants to have that close relationship with a pet, which I specifically didn't make a skill. I didn't make it part of a class. It is something that anybody can do, but you're going to have to commit to it. It's something that you're going to have to commit to doing if you want it to be viable. Now, if you just want to have a pet that you have at a house or, you know, maybe it's just a little guard dog that, guards your wagon with all your belongings or something that's a little different but if it's something you actually want to work with strategically in combat it's going to be something you put you role play you putting the time into that exactly and that's and i think we can figure out a way i have i know we both have some ideas of that i think that'll (laughs) work out really well so i have uh one more example i was just (laughs) thinking of of a pet in a game is the newer God of War game <laughs> where you have your son what? helping you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, pet, I don't remember there being a pet in that game. <laughs> well, I was thinking in too, in the combat, if you did have a, we could kind of compare that to what we kind of want to do where the son is obviously you think of like Kratos as opposed to his son, but his son is more lending him support in the fight and trying, you know, a lot of his survivability is like dodging around 
while Kratos fights and shooting arrows, but I think you can push a button and control the arrows being shot. If mm-hmm. I it's, and like he had a couple hmm. magic spells, so maybe doing the pet more like that, where it you know gives you enhancements or you know is sitting there. <laughs> Obviously, I'm yeah. As I when Bordis his son comes in, and <laughs> I just want to have a second character like shooting like <laughs> I'm gonna have a oh tort on my shell shooting bows at people. <laughs> Well, and that that I could see that playing out that way, where you know you have your pet kind of watching your back, so you don't get flanked or have that advantage on you if enemies are trying to surround you. They really wouldn't be able to. So even just having it there for just helping your positioning and mm-hmm. on the battlefield could be really helpful. On a, on a small scale. I mean, it, I could see as a DM that being really annoying, like, ah! <laughs> Just like when you're trying to pin down a road. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. You can show your support for The Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad, that's K-N-O dot M-A-D, for providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. And I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them, then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time.